It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. Carcone Carne, we are live on a Monday night. Carcone Carne, still in quarantine. Hashtag quarantine con carne. I'm James Van Ossel. Carcone Carne, sponsored tonight by C&H Financial Services. C&H offers a variety of products, products ranging from traditional merchant accounts to a zero-cost payment processing solution, which eliminates the expenses tied to accepting credit cards. C&H also offers cost-effective commercial lending programs, which can help you get your business the money it needs to make it through these unprecedented times to learn more contact c and h financial services at 855-600-2437 or go to chfs.us so tonight as we are in quarantine my guest tonight he is a super talented artist he is jay ryan he's the bird machine joining me from his studio tonight which is very cool that you're burning the midnight oil so to speak in your studio a little bit yeah yeah so for context, I mean, you can see one of your posters in the background. I really kind of know you. Well, actually, let me take a step back. I know you from Dianoga, the band. Um, but I also know you really from your gig posters, your concert posters, which are so striking. Um, very animal centric, uh, very lovely and fun. And I want to talk about your background in, in screen printing and, and poster making. But before we get there, let's let's go back to the 1990s the music scene i mean you were part of it you were you were uber indie rock back then. <laughs> what, what was it like coming up in, in that scene well I, I was in school in champagne uh during a time when there was a lot of uh started to be a lot of um sort of post nirvana like label interest looking for the next seattle the next athens um and uh there was a time near the end of well, let's say 93 or 94, where a lot of the bands from Champagne were getting signed. Uh, I finished school there in uh, 94 and moved to Chicago. And uh, that was also an exciting time here as far as uh, record labels being based here um, that were putting out stuff that was, um, had it had an audience. And um, so there were, like, I was playing in a band called Hubcap that, that started right in, um, one of the early bands that was playing at the fireside bowl when the fireside opened and, and the empty bottle, you know, within a year or two of them opening. Um, and, uh, you know, you get just people are around town who are in, in bands and it was an exciting time because you go out to shows, good shows four or five nights a week. And, uh, I used to have energy and be able to stay up late and, <laughs> and do things like that. But, but that is no joke. That that was the time. I mean, there's always yeah. good stuff going on. It's one of my favorite things on um, on Facebook. Actually, is one of the the lounge acts. Uh, I miss the lounge acts group, and uh, people occasionally post calendars from. Oh, look I at this calendar looking at that stuff from 1993 or 1995, and it's just this um, the month of February, whatever, and it's just filled with, you know, if there's, you know. 28 days in February and, and 20 of them are really like interesting shows. Um, and I don't, part of that is a function of the fact that the music scene has changed and part of it's a function that I'm uh, much older now, <laughs> twice the age I was at that time. 
but uh, I don't, I don't see, I don't get out to, to see shows that way anymore. But um, I'm, I hope that somebody, I hope the young people with energy are. I mean, so. Dianoga was, was a really cool band. I, I remember playing garden airplane trap on the radio. Wow. Look at you. Uh, like look at me. <laughs> This, this, that's got to be like three people. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Dianoga started in January 95 and we, uh, Jason Harvey and I, Jason, the other bass player, uh, we'd gone to college together and we'd um, lived together in a house uh, and, and just you know, sort of incidentally played together, but uh, kind of theorized about, uh, you know, starting a band. We tried it out a little bit while we were in school, but didn't really take a stab at it together uh, until he had finished up a band called uh, Grover that he'd been in in school. And um, I was, uh, I had been in, I'd been the first bass player in a band called Braid and then uh, left that and was in Hubcap for a while. And then sort of that overlaid into um, starting Dianoga and, um, yeah, we, we were, um, sort of never really fit in exactly anywhere, but we had a good time doing what we did and, and, uh, had some, got to, you know, travel a bunch, travel the country, go to Europe five times and release a handful of records and had a good time. And we're still, uh, when it's not a pandemic, when there's no pandemic on, we still, the three of us are playing together basically every Tuesday or Wednesday night with our friend Tom, who used to be in a band called C Clamp. And so uh, we play as a band, we play as Whelms now. And uh, still about halfway, two thirds of the way finished with a record. Awesome. So, yeah, sometime. Awesome. All right. Well, let's talk about your career in art. You started, I, I guess it would be helpful to explain what screen printing is. Yeah. Um, screen printing is. Uh, a very old um, industrial style printmaking, not his, not typically uh, recognized as a fine art generally. Um, I did not study screen printing in school. I studied painting uh, about a year and a half after I was out of school. Um, I got uh, asked to illustrate a screen print poster uh, for um, Wesley Willis fiasco, Rocket from the Crypt and Super Suckers. Jeez. And so, uh, this was fall of 95. My buddy, Andy Mueller, uh, got asked to do this job and, uh, he asked me to draw something. We went together and, um, Andy had, I'm sorry, Andy had previously worked in a t-shirt screen print shop. So he knew a little bit about preparing films. We went and found a guy who was printing at the corner of Fullerton and Western, um, and uh, so we went over there and I met Steve Walters and uh, sort of long story short, kind of hit it off, started working with Steve uh, over the winter of 95, 96. And so Steve Walters, Screwball Press, really in that world. So, this, so it was, uh, imagine a, um, I don't know, a couple thousand square feet of raw space on the third floor of a building, a um, bunch of the windows are gone. There's leaks. There's um, anywhere from uh, signals a little four, choppy. Four to six young people basically working around the clock. Um, the next room over is Fireproof Press, which is busy printing shellac records and L uh, Rachel's records and tortoise LPs and things like that, and um, run by 
John Upchurch, uh, who at that time was had just finished being in the cocktails. Yeah. Um, Hoi Dog Pondering practiced up in that space for a while. The cocktails practiced up there. Uh, and so I was, I learned to print from Steve Walters and Bob Hartzell. Um, Bob ran lights at Lounge Acts and um, we just basically screen printing. Let's get to, to this. Screen printing is um, basically um, at its most rudimentary, rudimentary level. It's uh, pushing ink through a screen onto paper. Um, we've got, uh, as we, as most of the people in our community do it, um, use a screen, which is a, a frame. If I prepared this part, I could run in the next room and actually have props to show you uh, a frame, like a window frame or a picture frame on one side, it's stretched with a synthetic polyfiber mesh, which used to be silk, which is why it's called silk screen printing. Um, and, uh, that gets coated with a, a photosensitive emulsion. The photosensitive emulsion gets exposed to bright light um, and uh, be becomes uh, non, uh, sorry, non-water soluble until it's, well, I'm sorry, I'm trying to do this without props uh, to explain. Basically, uh, when you're printing, you print a single color on all the different pieces of paper that you're going to print. And it's a, it's a physical printing that involves pulling a squeegee with arms and uh it's it's sort of like a lazy rowing machine and uh so if you're going to print let's say 100 posters that have three colors you might print the blue and you print the blue on all 100 pieces of paper and then you change your screen out you change your different screen and it's a yellow or it's a red or whatever and you print that over the course of an hour or something like that on all 100 pieces and then you go back and this one's going to be the outlines and it's got the band names and it's got the, some other detail on it. And you print that and you have to make sure all the inks line up with each other and you have to make sure um, all the posters look similar. And are I, I didn't, I had only the most general idea of how this was done. That sounds like just a boatload of work. <laughs> it is a boatload of work, but it's enjoyable. It's an enjoyable process. Um, and uh it's fun. It's fun to do. Uh, and it's the, pro the, the results are recognizably interesting. Like you, you, you can have a beautiful digital printout of something and you've got a silk screen poster hung next to it. And it's, you know, you can see the way the ink is sitting on the paper. You can see the ink laying on top of other layers of ink. Maybe there's a little thumbprint there. It's just, it's a, it's more than just a printed thing. It becomes an object. Right. Each one has its own each one is its own piece really i mean right because the ink isn't exactly set the same on if you do a run of 100 there are little variations on each so you own something special if you own one of those posters in theory if, in theory. if, if you're doing it right I, I love it so was the wesley willis one the first one you did the first concert nope. poster you did yeah that was the first uh screen printed concert poster i did so i'd done talk zero. about that era when you're talking about those shows i mean Wesley Willis, Rocket from the Crypt, and who else was on that bill? Super Suckers. Jesus. I mean, that was the Blind Pig in Champagne. So I didn't actually get to that show. But, um, you know, right after, right after that, it was, uh, I got to do, um, basically got to sort of because of the community that we're in, like the next couple posters were things for tour posters for June of 44 and, and uh, holiday shows for Shellac. And um, 
uh, I don't, I, 1996 was a busy year, but it's like, uh, making stereo lab posters. That's so so cool. it kind of went, went moved, moved pretty quickly. So, so it, there's a, there's a certain thing that I can't describe when it comes to concert posters, the posters are their own art pieces and they don't always tie back to the artist or, or they do in the most subtle of ways that us viewers may not notice. Um, how do you approach, I mean, in your case, we see squirrels and all kinds of animals. How do you approach interpreting a band in poster form? I think the best posters are ones that are going to reflect some aspect of the band, whether it's a concept from a uh, concept from a song, a song illustrated uh, or uh, something that if the band has an overall identity, it's something that pull some aspect of that, or if it's um, uh, maybe pulling some el some element from an album cover and sort of taking a little tangent from, oh, if you're a real fan, you've noticed this on their album cover, and here we are redrawing that and then making it do something else. Sense. Something like that. Um, and sometimes you're making a, a poster for a show where there's no, the show itself has no... Um, common theme and and so it's you know it's a uh, mission from mission of burma and uh hank williams the third and uh and don caballero and you're just like i'm just gonna draw two guys beating each other with a platypus and that's <laughs> and and that just ends up being just fine by the way i would see that show all day long yeah it, yeah <laughs> I, I would i think that would be fun so. Well, for example, I mean, it, it's one thing to talk about this. I think it's really helpful to show what your work looks like. And I asked you to compile 10 images that you're especially fond of or you like talking about. I love what you sent over and I'm going to share my screen. I'm just going to have you talk about these posters. Is that cool? Thank you. If you're watching on Facebook Live, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, uh, this is going to be awesome. So I'm going to share my screen. And now you should be seeing this. Are you seeing your Jeff Tweedy poster? I'm seeing Jeff Tweedy. Okay. Uh, so Jeff Tweedy, 2007 benefit show. Tell me about this. Yeah. Jeff, uh, for a while there, I don't think he's still doing it. Maybe he is, but for a while there, he was um, auctioning off living room concerts uh, to small groups of people. And um, th this is maybe not the best example of what I was just talking about, but um just I, I tried for so long. Jeff has a is a is a distinctive character to his, to his appearance, and he should be very easy to draw. But I I keep trying, and I've never actually gotten his face drawn correctly. So all the Jeff Tweedy posters I've ever done for him, uh, he's been facing the other way, or he's That's been part obscured, his face facially obscured in some way. Um, but this uh, was a group of sort of uber fans who would pool their money and and uh, make a substantial um bid for his living room show annually and uh the money went to um uh to a charity i don't i don't remember exactly oh was, i'm sorry it's for letters to santa uh chicago uh group organized by uh heather winner um but uh this i think more was just about uh the idea of sort of a small group and uh and and being sort of an intimate 
uh, experience with Jeff. Now, there are a bunch of fish and a torpedo. Yeah, there's some sort of torpedo bomb situation there. I think this was maybe around this. Now, this was a couple of years after uh, I'd made a, a print for uh, TV on the radio. that was, um, I think, sort of similar uh, thematically um, a couple of years before this, I think. So. I love it. All right, let's look at the next one. Speaking of oh, shellac. Yeah. So here we go. This. Example of, I love working with shellac. Um, I had reason just recently to count the projects I've done with them. I think I've made 19 posters for shellac. Oh man. Uh, in the past 25 years. Uh, this was a fun one. They, they had toured Australia early in their career and then they were going back in 2012. And so the only art direction that they gave me, they're one of my favorite clients. They, they always have sort of good, interesting art direction. They said, you know, just draw some Australian animals. Uh, and <laughs> oh, also, so that, those are wombats. Okay. Right. Some, uh, no, those are uh, the, the Tasmanian devils there. Okay. All right. So, okay. So hold on a second because they, they said, and also last time we were there, we came upon the sculpture of the dog on a Tucker box. I said, what is a dog on a Tucker box? They, they showed me this poem. And basically the idea is there's a poem written in, 1837 or something about a miner uh, underground in somewhere way out in the middle of nowhere, Australia. And he dies, but his dog basically waits at his lunchbox. And so there's a statue. It's like the same thing as if somebody had written a poem in 1860 about a, a, a particular rabbit in Shabance, Illinois, and they put up a big... <laughs> Like, and if they had put up a big monument to the rabbit of Shabance, Illinois, instead, there's the dog on the Tucker box in the middle of nowhere, somewhere, Australia. Um, during this period, everything I was doing for shellac had to have uh, astronauts on it. So I made the dog into an astronaut. I made the Tucker box, which is Australian for lunchbox, into one of shellac's signature amplifiers. Um, and then... Uh, Having spoken to one of my friends in Perth, Australia, he suggested the inclusion of drop bears, which they don't tell Americans about until we get there. But drop bears are three foot carnivorous koala bears. So we put a couple of drop bears in there. And then uh, this was also during the uh, Tasmanian devil were having the plague at this time. Um, and they're, so I decided not to infect any of these guys, but one of them's wearing a top hat. I don't remember the reason for that. And then I also, the other valuable lesson I learned while making this print was the plural of platypus is actually platypodes. So I didn't know that. I didn't either. So it's not platypi, it's platypodes. So the, I've got 10 platypodes um, there. And uh, so that's about everything I can tell you about this. I, I love this. And the story of the dog in the Tucker box really makes that. That is it's a sweet story, actually. <laughs> I, I hope to see it someday myself. Oh, look at this. Your champagne oh. roots coming back. Poster children. What a gorgeous. What a gorgeous picture. Thank you. Uh, uh, poster children had um, were when I was in school, uh, they had signed to sire records and they were the big rock stars in town. They were the ones who were on MTV and, uh, and then you'd also see them out on the quad. Um, 
or, you know, see them at some show at the blind pig or Mabel's or chins and, and uh, get all flustered. Cause there's Rose. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so um, those guys are lifelong computer nerds and used to take uh, a computer on tour with them, I guess, to blog from the road, you know, using dial up back in the day. As, um, and uh, they, at this point, what year was this? 2016. I think that they hadn't toured in a little while. And I was picturing sort of the band as um, sort of some aspect of it being like an old Apple IIe um, sort of being booted up and, um, and coming to life again after uh, a couple of years of staying home. So I, I particularly like this print. So I, I love of, it too. It, what, so what's written on the monitor? Are those lyrics? Uh, yeah, I think it's lyrics. Let me see if I can. I, I was trying to look around my microphone to see if I could read it. Uh, I, I want to say it's something off of uh, Easy Chain Reaction, I think. I'm guessing it's uh, Days Will Be Numbered and You Will Be Numbered, Scarlet Tattoo on Your Arm. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm guessing it's that song. Yep. Um, I, and I love what you were talking about earlier about those little subtle things that tie back to the band i mean there's the 25 on the back of the computer this their 25 oh, yeah. anniversary tour 25th anniversary tour little things like that the lyrics on the monitor the obvious nod to the fact that they are, have always been technology focused i mean read the fucking manual is the name of one of their albums uh this is great thank you let's talk about this i i saw this in a library oh excellent um, I, was that uh our library here in Skokie. It was excellent library. Um, so yeah, so I get to do a lot of concert posters, but then I also get sort of feel like my job as a poster maker is to sort of do a little bit of a PSA work. And uh, so when Trump was elected, um, I felt like I wanted to, do something about that. But I felt like there were going to be enough sort of uh, middle finger posters and posters of Trump, you know, on fire and, uh, and that nobody was going to really like, you weren't going to want to hang that on your wall. Uh, it's, it's funny to look at, but uh, I decided to try and take a sort of a positive spin on that stuff and sort of reinforce the things that, we culturally would probably need to address. This is one of the first things I made, I think, after um, after the inauguration, I think. Um, now is our time to read. And uh, I consulted with a bunch of my friends who are more uh, literary than I am uh, about what we should, as a culture, be reading at this point. And so I got a lot of uh, recommendations and put those all on the spine. So we've got Rebecca Solnit right there in the front. And uh, I'm trying to, I can't even. Oh, there's Margaret, Margaret Atwood. There's uh, Chomsky. There's Stevenson and. Um, Coates. And yeah. uh, which is actually what I'm reading right now. There's some, I see uh, shout outs to, for example, Joe Mino and Megan Stilstra and Jessica Hopper, for example. But, there's Vonnegut's uh, up front. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Very nice. There. So anyway, that um, I ended up reprinting. I think what we've seen here, I think, is the second edition. Um, 
but I ended up reprinting that poster and uh, I've been told it's in a lot of libraries around. So I love it. I, I've got to ask the obvious question. Is Michael Shabon on this uh, poster? I, assume, I would assume he is, but I, yeah. Um, little guy, little guy in the front row in the middle, right behind him. There it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. There. Okay. Yeah. Because of course you did a book cover for him. That was a that was a weird and special project. Yeah, I got to do a a, a cover for his novella, um, the Final Solution, uh, which is sort of a story of uh, never specifically named gentleman who obviously is Sherlock Holmes, uh, late 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 in life during World World War II. Um, showing that he's still got it uh, with a, a uh, young uh, Jewish boy who has lost his parrot in, uh, in the English countryside. And for context, I mean, this was his first release after Cavalier and Clay. So I mean, at, at this point, I mean, he was white hot in the literary yes. world. Yeah, it was, uh, it was an exciting, and it actually is funny in one, in one ding of the email, I got two, uh, I got two emails. One was asking me to do that book cover. And the other one was asking me to design a snowboard for Burton snowboards. And I thought that was, that was pretty great. And so, um, those two projects are what I had to stop what I, the way I was working and learn to use Photoshop. So that, that project was the first time I used Photoshop to color an image. So, uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun to get to do. I bet. Okay. Let's, let's keep going here. The national, the national. Um, this was during a time, I think right after boxer came out and I was listening to boxer a lot and sort of, uh, picturing, uh, young moneyed, uh, New York gentleman, uh, sort of tumbling through the night sky, uh, through, uh, through social life, uh, in, uh, Williams, Williamsburg and, and whatever this is, 2010. So uh, that's my take on that. It was also fun to draw that suit. Oh, I bet it was. So we haven't really touched on the animals. Oh, yeah. yeah the, the various creatures that find their way into your work. I, I guess, explain or, or tell me about that. Tell me about your love for these these creatures and the fact that you use animals as opposed to humans. It's a, it's a discussion I actually had with a client today um, because... There, there are animals that are animals like, you know, a dog on a leash or a woolly mammoth standing in a field. But then there are animals as stand-ins for humans like we've got here on the national poster. Um, and I think the easiest, like the, the easiest thing to say about that is that they're, they're not a particular human. So we have just a, a rabbit you know, and it's, um, uh, people can kind of project whatever kind of person they want to see into that, into that rabbit. Or if you backed up a couple slides and that now is our time to read print. Um, we've got, you know, there's no specificity about, are these people old or young? Are they, uh, one gender, another certain race? Why isn't, you know, why haven't, uh, why isn't, uh, such and such group not represented because yep. you know what 
it's woolly mammoths and and uh, wombats and whatever these guys are. I love so, it. Yeah. Thank you. The colors on the talk about a poster that just pops. This is such a vivid piece well, right here. It, I mean, it's for Brazil, so I mean, you can't <laughs> can't uh, go halfway with uh, a skateboard team going to Brazil. So. Um, psyched to get to do something for uh, a, a bunch of uh, top pro skaters, including, uh, of course, the venerable Tony Hawk. Um, but uh, yeah, they uh, did this. Now, I, I was mentioning earlier um, Andy Mueller, uh, formerly of Chicago, formerly of Ohio Gold uh, Records, an Ohio or Ohio Girl Design Company here in Chicago. Uh, and so he is now one of the senior designers at Lakai Shoes in Los Angeles. And so they needed a tour poster, uh, for these, these guys going, these six skaters going and for demos in Brazil. And, uh, this is what, uh, came up with sort of trying to represent everybody in there, uh, hitting this, hitting the coping at the same time. I got to say, I, I, I can't skateboard to save my life, but I want to go skateboarding with those guys. That, that would be fun. They look so, like a good group. They would all, they would bounce when they hit the ground. Uh, first of all, before we talk about this poster, and I believe you have another one of this band, can we just talk about how great that new Hum album is? Oh my God, it's so good. So Hum is this band um, that was active, that was started in the late 80s in Champaign. And I got to my freshman year, in Champagne, and I start. I'm in this drawing class, and there's this one guy who seemed a little bit older than everybody else. And I eventually learned that he's in a band. And then I'm finally borrow an ID, and I'm going out to the Blind Pig, and uh, I get to see this band hum. And it's oh, it's the guy from my drawing class playing bass. But um, uh, hum is uh, a favorite. My first date with uh, I went on a first date with a girl in 92 and uh now we've been married for for 20 years this month and uh and uh that's the effect hum has on people so yeah they (laughs) they released their their third studio record came out in 98 and then they sort of played intermittently like roughly they sort of get back on the horse roughly every 18 to 24 months and play a show or shows but uh last couple of years they've been working on this record and it, they dropped it surprise on everybody what about a month ago or so. And it was, it was one of the most well-timed releases because we were all starved for content. I mean, we were all, I think it was in June when they, when they dropped it and it just, it was the right record at the right time. We all, I mean, it just, it's so it, good. It is, it is so good. You, you think like a bunch of guys in their fifties dropping a record after having not, you know, 22 years after their previous one. And, uh, you know, your expectations are kind of low and it succeeded, exceeded all of them. So these, these are a pair of posters for an East coast and a West coast tour. Uh, they did in, I want to say 2015, maybe 2015, 2017. Um, but they were, they were going out for about a week in each direction. And, uh, I wanted to make two posters that match up uh, with their work together. So, um, compositionally they're similar, the background sort of, uh, gradations, uh, allow you to, they match up between the two prints. So you can hang them 
either right or left. They, both edges match up. So you can do the uh, whales on the left or the whales on the right. And uh, that's so cool. So. I, and I, I'm, I'm looking at this, just the way you have the band's name and, and that big kind of comic book logo, just the, the, the 3D look and feel of this stuff. And then the, the flowing lines in the background of this one, too. And just I th- these look like they were a lot of work to put together, a lot of time spent. Uh, I, I the, when I opened up your files yesterday, I'm like, oh, my God, these are these are the showstoppers for me. These two hum pieces. Well, um, there are a couple different things going on here, and I don't remember specifics, but I want to say that um, both of these are unusual for me in that these are actually CMYK prints. So there are a lot of little dots of cyan, magenta, yellow, and black, excuse me, black ink. Um, there's certain tweaks to that, but that's, that's something that I've been doing more of uh, screen printing here. But um, it's not historically the way that I work, but uh, you get a lot of nice, nice, subtle gradation that's not otherwise uh, easy to get. So they're I gorgeous. Was, I had a, I had a, somebody helping me print at that point who was particularly good at that. Really great stuff, Jay. All right, let's see. We've Thanks. got. Well, first oh. of all, we let's just admire the lineup here of the Hideout Block Party seven years ago. Mavis Staples, Nico Case, The Hold Steady, Super Chunk, The Walkman, I mean, no, Langford. Langford. Yeah, I mean, this is this is insane. And yes, we all miss live music. Um, what was the inspiration for the image here? Okay, so this was in the lot in front of the hideout, which is also where all the garbage parks, garbage can't, excuse me, garbage trucks park overnight right in front of the city, uh, one of the municipal warehouse buildings that's now going to be part of the Lincoln Yards. I haven't been by there in a while. I don't know if any of those buildings are still standing. But, um, okay, so I was picturing sort of a stiff breeze coming through and sort of all the garbage trucks wafting up into the evening sky. But uh, so, so these posters didn't need to be finished ahead of time. They just needed them before the show. So I got them turned in before the show. And then I bet a bunch of the people listening have have met Tim, who is one of the owners of the hideout, Tim Tutin. And Tim called me, see, this is Friday, September 6th. So Thursday night around five, Tim calls me and says, hey, we need a banner to hang on the stage behind the band can you make that happen with the garbage trucks and so um i said yeah and i got the i i, I scanned in one of the prints and um because this was created in it you know by hand scanned in one of the prints and I, I messed around with it in photoshop and doubled it and the proportions were all different but basically stretched it out so it was about maybe twice as wide as it is uh, in this poster. Um, but it was just the picture of the garbage trucks and the leaves and the moon. And, um, 11 o'clock that night, I sent the file over, uh, the vinyl printing company turned it into a banner overnight. And by 9am the next morning, they had this giant banner hanging at the back of the stage behind the bands. Um, 
the guy who ran the the garage that repairs all the the garbage trucks uh, saw the banner and loved it, and so the hideout gave him that banner, so it hung on the side of their building for years, so and then they moved it inside, um, and so it was hanging like in the garbage truck repair place for for quite a while so i assume they're moving that somewhere else i don't know what the fate of that banner is at this point but yeah that was a fun it was a fun what a great story what a great story thank you guided by voices this is one of your more recent works now this looks a little dark well i mean is it is it appropriate for guided by voices i mean it's a bit it's a it's a bit of a mess but it's beautiful at the same time well, uh, what would have been appropriate for Guided by Voices is, is if you had finished the artwork in about 90 seconds. I, <laughs> I didn't say I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I might have been printing midday New Year's Eve. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, I, this, this was a really fun one to do. Um, this was uh, inspired by the work of a German printmaker who was active in the 70s, 80s, and then in the 90s named Horst Janssen. Um, and... Uh, I became interested in his work while I was a, a painter in undergrad and um, learned about his work just before he died. He, he tried, he, he was uh, etching a copper plate in acid on the balcony outside of his building and the balcony broke free and he fell some number of stories to the ground with this acid bath, uh, which eventually blinded him. And I guess he eventually died from that. But, um, but he, he uh, a lot of the work that he, made was uh beautiful etchings and, and prints of um like dead flowers or roadkill that he had found and uh i uh somehow just sort of felt like some very very tired flowers might be right for this show so um i was really look, happy. At, look at how many colors you, i mean or variations of colors you have in those flowers as i'm looking closer you, you've got a lot going on in here there's well it's it's for guided by voices, you know, and there's a lot going on. So, but uh, yeah, I, I'm happy with the way that turned out. Very cool. Back to happy animals. Are those uh, triceratops? Yeah, some triceratops, you know. Um, again, uh, sometimes it's not even just a PSA. Sometimes it's just a picture of animals doing stuff. Uh, this is, no, this is called a chosen clouder. Uh I learned in the process of making these that a group of cats is called a clouder. Um, and uh, this is sort of about um, a couple of different friends who kind of had to go through the process of, of finding their own families, maybe not their birth families, but sort of creating family uh, where they, where they could find it amongst friends. And uh, so this is uh, you know, sort of a cat making the best of the situation and, and, uh, hanging with his uh, new best buddies. So that's. Uh, Love it. That, that would be, I mean, as cool as, you know, the guided by voices poster would look cool in an adult's home. This would be lovely for a kid's room. It's also, yeah, it's also good to hang, you know, hang where your three-year-old can, can check it out. Count the, count the uh, triceratops. The breeders. The breeders. Um, I was, I was driving somewhere. I was driving on like long distance somewhere far. And in the middle of nowhere, my phone starts ringing and it's a number 
I see it's a Los Angeles number, but it's a number I don't recognize. And foolishly, I answered it. And it's not often you get a call from Kim Deal. Uh, <laughs> nope. Coming down the highway. But um, the breeders were doing the 20th anniversary of Last Splash. And um, the cover is by Vaughn Oliver, who's a, a designer that I've always admired. Uh, very known for the 4AD record label and uh, a bunch of amazing record covers. They wanted to, um, they were, they were touring, uh, playing the entire Last Splash record uh, 20 years after it had been released. Um, I wanted to sort of take the record cover and, and sort of do my take on advancing it 20 years. Like it's, it's sort of taken root, it's, it's grown, it's expanded. Um, and, uh, and so that was, that's what, uh, what happened here. I, I still, that, that was such a, a fun album. There's a song in there. It, one of the only ones where both deal sisters have writing credits. It's like two minutes long called, I, I just want to get along. <laughs> it, it, it's one of those songs. It's so, it's such a short song. It, you wish it was like double its length. Cause it's so good. And it just ends too soon, but yeah, there's, I mean, obviously cannonball, but divine hammer and Aloha yeah. and new year. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a, an amazing record. And to have that and the pod like in quick succession, it's amazing. Uh, I, I saw the breeders open up for Foo Fighters a couple of years ago at Wrigley field. And I'm watching this thinking, I, I need to see this show in a club. Wrigley field just, it, it didn't feel right. And it, it needs to be dark. I need to be surrounded by people and it needs to feel kind of dangerous and dirty. And, and that's not the way Wrigley Field felt. Was that Foo Fighters at Wrigley Field was Naked Ray Gun? Did they also play that? Was that? Not, that was not that show, but uh, Dave Grohl does his regular pandering to Naked Ray Gun fans where he tells the same story about the Cubby Bear. Okay. Every yes. show. Yeah. Uh, Jason Narducci. Uh, yes. Uh-huh. We know that. Uh, I'm guessing this is a, a relatively new one. How, how can you tell <laughs> again, uh, again, sort of, and I'm uh, trying to take a sort of a, a positive spin on negative events. Um, sort of wanted since March, have kind of had a hard time trying to work and trying to um, feel like, uh, like there's, good reason to sit down and do my job when, when all that's going on in the world is going on. Um, so I've tried to focus on, um, things that, uh, you know, kind of take the, take the positive aspect a little bit, but so, yeah, we've got these two, uh, these two characters or well, it says it says it spelled out right there, but they're, they're each in their own, uh, homes, uh, isolating, but they're still in contact with each other. There, there's so. something so wonderfully innocent and pure about this. It, it's it, it's such a, a nice pendulum swing from the existential dread we're all feeling right now. It, it, this this really is just it's just charming. I, I looked at this thought this is a very sweet, charming illustration. Thank you. We, uh, we need to see I mean, more stuff place, like this. There's a place to for drawing the existential dread as well. But um, but uh, it's not in this print. No, it's very sweet. So, if for people who want 
to get a hold of your stuff? First of all, there are books, there are collections of your, of your art that there, they can get. Yeah. Um, we have, I've got a website. It's called thebirdmachine.com. Um, we have, uh, I've got three books that have been published over the years in 2005, 2009, and 2015, collecting my favorite um, prints I'd made in the years leading up to each of those releases. Those books are by published by Akashic Books in New York. Um, I have them here in my shop. They're on the website, and uh, prints are available on the website. It's going to be a pr- busy print week right now, which I've not something I've been able to say recently. But yeah. uh, got uh, five, yeah, five prints that. In theory, I'm actually going to be starting after I'm visiting with you here. I'm going to start uh, getting some paper cut this evening and, and working on some films. But um, uh, it's feast or famine, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's it's a function of uh, trying to parent somebody who's starting fourth grade uh, <laughs> during a time where both my wife and I run our own businesses and we try to um, make sure that the nine-year-old who can't go to summer camp you know, has, has full days and enjoyable days. So I, I sometimes work, you know, until midnight or yeah. starting to crack a dawn. So, and yeah, not, it's, during, tough. Um, it, it's, it's mildly annoying, but uh, there are a lot of other people that have a lot worse problems. So there you go. So the website is the bird machine.com. Correct. And we can get your books and we can order prints on there too. Right. That's true. Yes. And then uh, in the room right behind me here, that they'll get packed up and uh, and shipped from the post office that's right over there. So, I love it. it. There's, the there's a, a new brewery right down the street from your place. Yeah. Now too. yeah. Um, your, your neighborhood's shaping up. Yes. Yeah, well, I hope so. Uh, sketchbook Brewery just moved from a very small space in Evanston yeah. to a very large space about three doors down here on Main Street in Skokie. Uh, I've haven't, I've been past there. I haven't actually been, uh, in, uh, for a couple of reasons, including I don't drink beer and there's a pandemic, but, um, <laughs> but I, Besides I that. Still, still welcome to them to the neighborhood yes. uh, with, with all of the, with open arms. So. Absolutely. All right. So again, the birdmachine.com. I, I just, I, I love your work and I, I, my only regret is I, I didn't reach out to do this sooner with you. Cause I, oh. I loved having you tell the stories behind the stuff you do. And I, I'm telling you the, those concert posters, those hum posters, the, the GBV, the, great stuff. Really nice job. Thank you very much. Thanks for, for, for uh, reaching out. I, I want to thank everyone for watching. Uh, for those of you who are watching on Facebook live, um, Rob says the AV block party print is one of my favorites and currently hangs in my kitchen. Uh, KW says some of my favorite gig posters, including some of my own bands, Jay's work is amazing. Um, and so it goes lots of, lots of nice comments. Nice. Uh, Jay Ryan looking thin. You are, you're looking quite svelte and then thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, you never know what you're going to get. Anyway, I'm going to stop the Facebook live. Thank you everybody for watching there.